Hello there and welcome to the Hosts of Westworld, a fan critical podcast. Tonight we will be discussing episode 3 titled, and give me a chance with this, uh, Virtue e Fortuna. Lovely. Or Virtue and Fortune. Very yeah. well done. Why don't they just call it that? Before I uh, introduce you, Rowdy Rabble, unfortunately we are uh, one member short. Uh, Lucy couldn't join us tonight. Uh, but if you do stick around for the rest of the podcast, I will be revealing her personal details so you can contact her directly for her thoughts on the episode. So welcome to, uh, I'm going to start with you, Gaz, all the way down in Australia. Welcome, mate. Yeah, thanks, mate. It's, it's about time that I wasn't the last to be introduced. So enjoy that, Emma. I've ruined it now, haven't I? All right, bubble boy. Needy. Um, Emma. Hello. Hello. And finally, Crazy Lynn. Hi, John. So I guess uh, let's just kick it straight off with overall views on the episode. Um, as the lone female member of the group this week, uh, Emma, why don't you kick us off, give us your thoughts on the episode, and also give us a score, and again, explain for our first listeners, potentially, what the Blueberry Scale is. Okay, so this episode for me was good, uh, easier to follow, uh, with slightly less mind-boggling timelines, Boggling. as we had... Boggly. Boggle. Yeah. yeah. And just plomped down in some random point in time like we did last week. Mm -hmm. I didn't think it was as good as episode one and two. Uh, So as you requested, our blueberry scale, that's how we rate everything that we watch uh, and review and fan critical slash the host of Westworld. It is a scale out of five blueberries, no halves. I am going to slightly (coughs) harshly rate this episode a three- out of five blueberries. Over to you, Len. Uh, why don't you tell us why uh, Emma is wrong? So you usually call me a hype man. You are you are very much a hype man. Yeah, you, sh- you might surprise me this week. You're going to agree with me, Len. Uh, I'm going to say that I'm very positive, usually all the time, and very, as I said, hype and very excited about things. Um, but I think this episode <clears throat> was still a very good episode of television. I just think that it it didn't really move the plot forward in a substantial way. It yep. felt like it was a lot of action set pieces. Um, I didn't like some of the Dolores stuff, but then again, there's one scene in particular that I absolutely loved. Um, so I'm going to give it a three out of five. Whoa. Yes. Oh my God. For once, Len and I are on the same That is page. unbelievable. Yeah. Gaz, are you going to, are you going to agree with these, uh, these dishbags or are you going to, uh, suckers? these suckers? Yeah. I'm just, I'm stunned. I'm in shock that Len has given something less than or fewer than four blueberries. It is mental. Sorry, yeah. Just... I, I can't believe it to be honest. I mean, that's why we call him Crazy Len, isn't it? I, I, <laughs> I enjoyed the episode, actually. Um, I reckon I've been slightly more cynical about this season so far than, than others. Um, I didn't love episode one. Did really like I did really like episode two, to be fair. And we're dealing with a fairly small sample size. But this one, I, I, I agree with some of the points that the guys have made. Didn't necessarily move the plot on a lot, but... It's the plot that I'm a bit worried about, so I, I didn't mind that in in a weird way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite a big sense. part of the show, but fair. It does make sense. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I enjoyed the the fact that the show kind of took a pause on that and just gave us some pretty cool action scenes. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna give it just enough blueberries to top a cheesecake, which is four. Oh, <laughs> unbelievably. Uh... I'm going to agree with uh, with Emma and, and Len. What? In that I didn't particularly 
again, if we're talking about the very high standards of, of Westworld, um, and I don't want to be misconstrued as someone that, you know, would host a, a program that I don't like. I love this program, obviously. I would say it's a, it's a three out of five. And um, But I guess just to, uh, uh, to uh, summarise some of the points there, it is a slower episode. It's one that uh, I think you need in a series. Uh, mm. If every episode is like moving the pace too far along, you end up with um, quite an, I guess, uh, you end up being unsatisfied at the end of the season. You you need something to, to start quite fast, slow it down a little bit and then finish strong. So I'm going to say uh, it's a three out of five, but that's, that's not necessarily a bad score. Yeah, and the standards that the show has set, like you said, have been so high. <clears throat> and um, I think, you know, the first two episodes we've given very good reviews of. Mm. Um, so I, d- I do think that this is a slower paced episode. And hey, as I said, it's still an excellent episode of television. Yeah, absolutely. With an amazing action sequence and, you know, some really good character beats at times. It's still up there as, a, as an amazing, still one of the best things to watch on television. Yeah. We're yeah. just comparing it against itself. Yeah. Thankfully, uh, unlike last week, we only have two timelines to follow. Woo! So yeah, in brackets, I have put yay. You've said woo. So you're going off kilter. Yeah. Um, but she's that's off, fine. She's off script, John. So the two timelines this week are about two weeks apart. Um, so we're pretty much in present day. Uh, we do, however, have three main stories to follow. Uh, one introducing us to a whole new world. So that's where you insert Aladdin. A whole new world. A new fantastic point of view. Um, we will be doing that on most of our podcasts. As always, um, I'm not going to follow the episode um, as it aired um, and jump around the the characters. I'm just going to focus on each story as they play out. That leads us nicely on to, what did you call that world? British colonial world or Raj world. No, it's world. not. Let's it's call it, it British Raj world because it's clearly the British Raj. Okay, yeah, right. British Raj world. Uh, Len, do you want to give it a guess? I'm going to go with Raj world. I mean, when, it first, <clears throat> when I first saw it, I was like, I'm just going to call it Colonial World. Yeah. Uh, but then, obviously, because I am in charge of um, trawling the internet to find anything and everything I can about theories of Westworld. Right, okay. Uh, the, you're con- talking about your personal... Well, that as well. The, yeah. the, the general consensus is Raj World, John. Cool. Well, I mean, that does lead us nicely on to story one, which is uh, Grace in India Land. <laughs> now, like a different show, mate. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, and again, that's obviously a play on Alice in Wonderland. Uh, and in my notes, I've written, it's definitely not racist. So you're not going to get me on that one. Um, so again, uh, I'm going to I'm going to go through my notes um, uh, as as I kind of wrote it as I watched the the episode. I've obviously watched it twice. Um, is this India or India World in uh, inverted commas? And um, I guess what I'm asking there is when I first watched it, initial thought was it's one of the worlds, one of the parks. But again, it could have been one of these where. They're trying to audition these robots to potential buyers. I was so hoping it was that, um, but it wasn't. What? So hold on. So Sorry, mate. You thought that they decided to go back in time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So uh, we're introduced to two new characters, uh, Grace and Nicholas. Now, Nicholas is played by uh, Neil Jackson. Uh, and he was in Flash Forward. Does anyone remember that TV, uh, yeah. TV show? Very interesting premise that pretty much died a death because it wasn't very good. Yeah, so cancelled <laughs> after a season. Um, yeah. But I felt robbed, to be honest, because you, know, you start investing time. I mean, it was a Channel 5 show. It was a Channel 5 show. Um, but yeah, to see him again, I was like, oh, good on him for getting work. Yeah. Uh, Hunting for Tigers, 
wankers. Yeah, that annoys me. Even if they're robot tigers, I'm annoyed. Yeah, absolutely. Annoys me. Even if they're robot CGI tigers. They are robots. (laughs) Uh, Oh, they are. Fact. Um, Why can't they speak? Yeah, I was wondering this. Are they sitting there questioning the premise of their own existence? Have they flipped a switch as well? Obviously, some of the the robots in, in Raj World have kicked off. And that's fine. And the tigers, are, the t- that tiger in particular, is looking angry. But is it just that it's being a tiger? I'm going to come and eat people, or is it I'm furious at being made and controlled? So I'm going to attack you. I actually don't think yeah. that that is a stupid thing to say, Gaz. Despite, oh, I think it is, despite the reactions <laughs> of John and Lennon. It's absolutely not. And I'll tell you why. For I'll tell you why. For go on, why for? Um, I think it's somewhere in the middle in that, yes, a, a tiger, a robot tiger would be programmed to only go to a certain extent and obviously not kill people. Metal state. But if, if a robot tiger... Stop making me laugh. It's a good point. This is good. Thanks for the, if, thanks for the support, Emma. You're welcome. But if a robot tiger was again, inverted commas, tiger sentience... That's not possible. <laughs> That's not possible. What it, We're no. getting into silly territory. It is possible, and let me finish. If the robot tigers <laughs> were to gain tiger sentience, then what they would do is they wouldn't become human. They'd just become like full feral like tigers. So they would just want to kill everything like a normal tiger would, not a robot tiger with limits. And I, I actually think that what Gaz said was smart. Well, no. I'm just going to say a, t- a real tiger doesn't have sentience. They're not going to put a proper human host brain in a tiger. <laughs> I also love the idea of <laughs> one of the tigers just going... These violent tonight's That would be mental. Oh. Uh, so um, we're all in agreement that the tiger stuff is a nonsense. Uh, I put hashtag confirmation we're in a park. Um, and we've already discussed the name of the park and it's definitely India World. <laughs> um, uh, she's giving him the cold shoulder. Oh no, actually they're fucking. So I can't read anything from women apparently. Prove you're a human. Uh, and I put Blade Runner vibes. Yeah, very. Uh, I agree with that, John. Very good. Very good shout. Um, one because of the test, I guess. Two mm. because of like the lighting. It's very uh, like with the yeah. with the sun coming. It felt into a bit noiry, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, very noiry. Jesus, man, she shot him. He gets sex now. That's how the future works, apparently. So you get shot, but you get sex afterwards. Just <laughs> none of you use that in real life, please. I'm not coming to visit you in prison and you can't podcast from a jail cell. I mean, you're already dead trying to have a fucking conversation with a tiger in London <laughs> Zoo, so don't worry about that. Elephants! That was good, wasn't it? Yeah, I like them. <laughs> Just in general or in yeah. the episode? No, I really like elephants. <laughs> okay, yeah, so in general, yeah, good. Um, hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's good. What is that journal? Uh, symbol link to Bernard mm. later in the episode. Mm. So uh, I put, "Who are you, woman?" Um, yeah, who is uh, who is she? Who is Grace? Well, uh, I'm going to come on to some interesting theories later on in in uh, Theory Corner, John. But I will say that the symbol that you just referenced is also quite important, and I think it might be a serious clue as to who she actually is. Good, Captain Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, good. Uh, and if you don't understand that gag, go and listen to our Avengers podcast. Uh, obviously part of the fan critical uh, group rather than this one. Where is everybody? Um, it's okay. He's silly gun can't hurt me. Nicholas is dead. Uh, of course he is. Uh, run, woman. Ah, the hunter becomes the hunted. And I've put hashtag CGI-ger. Yeah? Yeah. So 
Thanks yeah. very much. It's good. Tiger spears Grace off a cliff into the lake, which is mental. She's having a bad day, whoever she is. Ah, so that was the tiger from episode one. Obviously swept up, dead on the beach, the tiger that they find, and then they reference the, oh, we've got Bengals in park six or whatever it was. Uh, Grace's day from hell ends with her bumping straight into Ghost Nation. So uh, we have already started discussing this uh, this thread, but um, I'm going to open it up to you, Len. So mm. um, uh, for me, this is probably the most interesting story um, of of the episode. Mm. Um, I guess one of the complaints, which is valid, is that it, it, the episode seems to slow down quite a lot, but uh, you certainly can't argue that in the first 10 minutes of the episode. Um, so nope. give me your thoughts on uh, on Grace. Uh, yeah, so thoughts on Grace and the revelation of a park that we never never thought would have existed. I mean, I would not yeah. have, I would not have said this is one of the six parks. Um, this took us all completely by surprise. Um, the most some of the most interesting things for me in this are to do with who Grace is, uh, which we will go into in more detail later. Yay. But um, she obviously has a good understanding of the park. She obviously um, is very wary of sleeping with hosts potentially um <laughs> i'll come on to the reasons why i think this later prude but there's also uh some good stuff here where we see the boundary of the park and we see Love the laser this. the laser light that separates the park there's a warning going on in the background you are now leaving you at the boundary of the park please turn back or whatever yeah and that's when she gets her over the the edge of the <clears> cliff <throat> um so that's interesting because we're finally getting some actual like science behind how these parks are broken up um obviously there's no security involved because Dalo security has been totally pretty much wiped out at this mm, point yeah um but it was great to have a new character i wanted new characters at the start of this season and hey it looks like we're getting a strong female character another strong female character in the show which i think is only a good thing mm. he potentially i think might be a better one um i also thought it was interesting and i guess we'll come on to this when we talk about who grace is is that she knew to run for basically like the inner complex yeah on the yeah. edges of the park yeah she knows her way around which opens up a lot of questions that we can come to i this is my favorite part of the episode and i think because i love this so much the rest of it this is why i kind of rated it mm. three out of five yeah potentially fours yeah. and fives yeah because the rest of it didn't quite get me as much um this and the ending were my two favorite bits yeah mm. okay but i'm looking forward to it. grace seems cool uh gaz uh what, what did you uh what did you make of this obviously i know you're not a massive fan of uh of tigers that can hold a conversation i don't think any of us are but um but this story in general what are your overall thoughts yeah i echoing what what len said i like the um i like the fact that park six is the british raj it's not one that you would have would have predicted so um pretty cool i think it's a pretty niche market that they're aiming for there yeah yeah. have you ever wanted to uh to be in charge of india no well like yeah not I mean, it's India's a very cool place. It, uh, you can have a lot of fun there. I know, but... You want to be in charge of it. It's a big... It's, it's, there's a lot going on. I think it's an interesting... It might be an interesting comment on um, the state of the actual world that they're living in now because that they're going to hunt tigers, for example, which could potentially be extinct at this point in their current timeline. Mm. Um, you know, the elephants, the sort of beauty of India, the wildlife, which is why they're there. Um, it could be a very good... Um, like comment on the state of of the world that they're that they're from. 
yeah, which I think yeah. is interesting. I, I, think, I, think that, I think that's a fair shout. I just have to say, and look, I, I, I have no issue with India. I don't. Uh, and if you're listening from India, welcome. Um, but if I had to go to a park, you know, the Wild West, pretty cool. Medieval world, pretty cool. Some sort of future world. Oh, I'm having that. Samurai world. God, that'd be mad, wouldn't it? India world? Definitely not. Dinosaur world? Yes. There's a market for that. And if you are going to hunt animals, uh, yeah, and I, I get the point that it's been, you know, potentially if we're looking at the timelines, let's say, you know, 50 years since tigers have been extinct or whatever. Mm. Um. But that's not that interesting to me. As uh, look, if I if I was a businessman running a park, I'm looking at dinosaur world. That's what I want. Mm. Some sort of Jurassic park Whoa, park park world. Um. So yeah, I, I I don't know. But um. Yeah. Was I surprised by it? Definitely. It's good stuff though. I think it is interesting that they've taken a completely left field turn here i think like, this i think the set pieces are amazing i yeah. think it looks great and visually like there's a different tone of grading that they've put on the shots the color the beauty of india really comes across so Warm. hey i liked it i really liked it yeah cool the the, the indian version of white stripes is way better than yes yeah, that's a good shout because uh, seven nation army was beautifully covered in this episode at the start Do you know awesome. what? I I actually knew the instrument that was used as well. That's sitar. Annoying. Yes, sitar, sitar. Correct. Yeah. There you go. So that's Len. Len is a sitar player. Uh, no one wants to comment on the, the Grace bumping into Ghost Nation. Yeah, I mean, I she, right? she looks up and sees Ghost Nation there. Um, and I've got another theory about Ghost Nation later. Um, let's just say I don't think she's in any danger whatsoever. Oh. I have also been reading this very same theory. I think, and I like it. Uh, hello there, this is the advert section of this pod. Uh, apologies for disturbing your uh, absolute thrilling uh, listening of this podcast thus far. Uh, I'm obviously taking the piss, hence the uh, the voice that I'm putting on. Uh, if you have enjoyed this pod, uh, please do uh, review, share and subscribe. Uh, we are the hosts of Westworld. We are on iTunes, Spotify and all major podcasting apps. Uh, it's also worth noting our parent podcast, Fan Critical, uh, also on the major platforms, we discuss other TV shows like The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, uh, we'll do a dragon, but I'm not going to, Ghost, um, and Stranger Things. Uh, we also do major event movies. We've just done Avengers Infinity War, uh, which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, please do listen if you have seen it. Um, and we'll be shortly covering um, Solo and Deadpool 2. Uh, but other than that, I'll let you crack on with the rest of this pod. See ya. So uh, we're, if everyone's happy with that, we're going to move on to story two. Um, and we're going to be covering Maeve, Hector and Lee Sizemore. Um, straight off the bat, I'm going to say this is the weakest story for me. Um, and I didn't particularly enjoy it. Uh, it has uh, very few bits that are excellent. 
there is one moment that is excellent. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for the most part, it's uh, it's pretty dull. I've got to say. Um, so on to my notes. Uh, Lee was born to wear this costume. Yeah. <laughs> um, every time he he seems to crop up, he looks hilarious. Yeah, he's hilarious. Um, and I've got to say, Lee Sizemore, uh, he's uh, he's a bit of a bit of a legend this season so far. He's a grower, mate. Yeah, grower. <laughs> Growing on me. Yeah, well, there you go. Lee comes up with a far better plan than Maeve. Ghost Nation arrive. No subtitles to help us out. I like um, that, though, But man. I like that, because we're in the dark, like Lee and Maeve. We're kind of like, oh, what's going on? Yeah. Is it is it bad? Um, Maeve can't control them. Shit. These are my notes. Uh, run away! They go underground like they should have done originally. Yeah. Um, and then... This seems to be a, a recurring theme. Uh, it's happening the first episode, the second episode, and now again in the third episode. Where so we get two lines from Lee, uh, and the first one is exactly what the fuck do you think you're doing? And secondly, you two were designed to be alone. What is wrong with these fucking humans? I agree with you, John. They could rip his head off. I don't understand it. I. Well, he, I, I think he feels like Maeve won't because Maeve needs him to find her daughter, which is her one mission right now. Yeah, but I mean... Oh, Don't push the luck. I know. Come on, man. Yeah, but, like, but also, it's Lee Sizemore. doesn't serve a purpose, though. And when she died, the dream died with her and I dared dream no more. It's uh, poor Lee, you know, a, a nice line, quite tragic. It's obviously talking about his, ex, uh, his ex-girlfriend or wife, whatever. I think it's his girlfriend. Uh, and then Maeve... <laughs> Um, decides to say you wrote yourself a version of the man you always wanted to be which is I mean that's a fucking mega burn there um, absolutely brutal um, man of blazes so there's a guy just running around on fire one of my favourite stunts when you see someone yeah. on fire waving their arms around yeah. and in a big jacket yeah, uh, in a big safe jacket uh, Armistice is back awesome she has a dragon best line it was good isn't it that is very little, good. little Easter egg for uh, Game of Thrones. For Game of Thrones, yeah. Uh, Felix is back. That's the only note I've put because it wasn't that interesting. You didn't like but... Sylvester being back? No, no. I love Felix being back, but no, no. I, I mean, I like him. I'm just like it wasn't a. He didn't do anything. It was just oh, hello. On Lee Sizemore, if if he, if Hector is who he wants to be as a man, he's fallen some way short, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. But, I mean, Hector's a great man, let's be honest. No, he's, a, he's a handsome man, that's for sure. So Lee finds something in the snow. Um, of course, it's a fucking head. And then, oh, shit, samurai! So, um, Gaz, I'm, I'm going to let you lead the way on this. So, uh, quite a lot to cover there. Um, but why don't you give me your initial thoughts on that story? You might want to kick off with the samurai. It's entirely up to you. Well, I, I reckon I reckon you're right. A little, a little bit of a weaker storyline this one. I, I actually sort of forgot what they were doing for a long time, um, and things like, I mean, this this seems to be a recurring theme, an absolute trope of the show is elevators being conveniently placed just when they need them. <laughs> Like, what the fuck? Like, oh, shit, they're in a bit of trouble here, Ghost Nation. It should be an elevator right here. <laughs> of course it is. Um, yeah. The only benefit is that they get us to Shogun World or Samurai World or 
medieval Japan world, whatever we're calling it, <laughs> then it's worth it because this is going to be so cool. Although, actually, just thinking, are they are they in um, Shogun World or are they still in West World? Because they mentioned, Lee Sizemore mentioned that they've just gone to the Klondike narrative. <laughs> I think it is a continuation of the breaking down of boundaries that we saw with the tiger from India World yeah. coming into West World. <laughs> is it not? Yeah, I think that's definitely right. Yes. Yeah, that's definitely right. Gaz, I'm going to, uh, obviously, you've you've trained as uh, as a samurai, as as, as Len. Correct. We have had samurai training. Uh, they ha- yeah, unbelievable. That's, that's not a joke. That's yeah. dead, dead, dead serious. Yeah, unfortunately, as tragic as it might sound, uh, they have had some basic samurai training. Um, cool some very sounds. basic samurai training. Um, so obviously the samurai are world famous for the noises they make. Yeah. Um, so and this samurai, of course, as it uh, bounds out of the darkness, uh, makes a fantastic noise. So Gaz, if if you want to give us kind of uh, an example as to as to what that sounded like. <laughs> It's good. That's good. That Len, um, obviously, as uh, probably the more advanced uh, of the two. Samurai. Well, that's not true. Yeah. Um, do you want to? Do you want to give us your uh, rendition? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Good. That's worked better than I thought it would. Um, so Len, uh, obviously, you're clearly um, uh, the expert of the two. So mm. uh, do you want to give I us mean, again, uh, your thoughts what is, on uh, what is this? <laughs> On, um, do you want to give us your thoughts on uh, on this story, Fred? Yeah. So, can I rewind the whole of Maeve? Can I? Rewind? Yeah, 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 yeah. Go for it. Yeah. So, um, I agree that a lot of the, the the sort of Maeve and Hector and Lee Sizemore journeying across the park storyline is it's just stalling a little bit. But the interesting part about Ghost Nation is obviously that Maeve couldn't control Ghost Nation. Yeah. Which is a big um, thing that we'll come on to later, but it's very important for Maeve because she has that inherent fear of Ghost Nation anyway, due to the fact that her previous loops, we obviously saw the man in black in her previous, uh, in the first season, and yeah. in some of those other loops, he was the one who went in and killed her and her daughter. Mm-hmm. But if it wasn't him, her loop, it seems, was always tragically bound to this fate where a Ghost Nation person would go there and scalp her and kill her daughter. Yeah. So she's got that inherent fear. So for her, this is like her kryptonite at the moment because she's quite, pretty powerful, you know, yep. probably more powerful than Dolores at this point. Um, so that was really interesting. Armistice turning up with a robot hand. Loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely loved it. I don't know where they got the robot hand from because they don't really work that way anymore. They they work in the flesh and bone sort of uh, remit of robots, <laughs> think, but it was um, pretty cool. Sylvester and... Not in the future. Yeah, but they don't have any robot parts there as far yeah, as I understood. But that probably was awesome. Flamethrower, awesome. Uh, and Hector, who has been seeming to be a more sentient host, <clears throat> reminds us once again that maybe some of these hosts aren't as fully realised at this point or fully sentient as we think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the delivery from Lee Sizemore, one of his best ever deliveries on the show, yep. the way he suddenly you know, did that stupid comment and then read that line to Hector repeating it exactly as he said it. Mm. Um, I thought that was very good. Uh, and I like that bit to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, and finally on Shogun World, um, I don't think, and I agree with Emma, they're not in Shogun World, they're in Westworld, the park boundaries are gone. But I also think that uh, the introduction of these characters will lead Maeve and uh, Lee Sizemore and Hector and Felix and Sylvester into Shogun World because I have a slight suspicion that Maeve's daughter will have also gone past park boundaries 
potentially, if they're so close as they are now, I think she probably will have gone into Shogun World. So that's mm. how we're going to be introduced fully into Shogun World. Yeah. Can I ask a question of the group? Yeah, of course you can. Excellent. Um, what does everybody think about the um, comparison of Dolores and Teddy and Maeve and Hector? As in that Hector is a bit slower on the old sentience, sentience wagon, as is Teddy. Do you think that that's interesting or yeah, shit? Yeah, definitely interesting. Stupid men. Uh, that, yeah, stupid men. Bloody Again. stupid yeah, men. Uh, that. No, very interesting <clears throat> and definitely a good parallel. They even had that little face-off last week uh, with their own little crews. Mm. Um, I definitely think they're going for something there. And I think maybe they're going towards... The, the, the point of the story at the moment is that Teddy in this episode seemed to have a bit more um, thought processes or at least what we believe to be breaking, you know, what he would usually do, his usual yeah. actions. So, do you think? Yeah, 100%. I, I just think that they, they're sort of showing that, I think by the end of it, Hector and Teddy could become sentient, but they're finding their own journey there. Males take longer to gain sentience in real life anyway, don't they? So yeah, I, could, I couldn't think for myself for a long time. <laughs> We're going to move on to story three. Dolores, uh, Bernard and friends, I'm going to say, because there's so many people involved in this. Um, I've also put a little note um, in that says, uh, this initially starts in the furthest present. Um, so again, I'm going to I'm gonna flow through these notes. There's quite a lot, so I might stop halfway through and get your thoughts. If you are clucking or chomping at the bit uh, to uh, to discuss something that I say. Then feel free. So uh, it's the Delos squad. Um, hashtag extra watch. Now, anyone that uh, that knows me and, and the way in which I watch programs, for the most part, I'm just looking for extras that either have quite funny lines, uh, giving it their all, um, or just some random person that are like, how have they got this person to just be an extra? Um, and the first person that walks up, part of the Delos squad, um, is that creepy maid from Get Out. Did you notice that? <laughs> great spot I didn't realise it was her but that's yeah, cool yeah I, I looked at her and I was like oh, she reminds me of someone I was like it's bloody made from Get Out so there you go and if you've not seen Get Out go watch it uh, go very, and watch very it very good yeah we discussed it in uh, the fan critical Oscars um, preview podcast preview podcast yeah uh, lots of dull talk uh, which prompts a jump back to and then we go two weeks back to Bernard and Hale uh, who are tracking Abernathy uh, Stephen Ogg's back yay no, no, no enthusiasm. No, I'm, I'm, I'm massively happy to have Stephen Ogg back as Rebus, who uh, we said, if you any of you ever listened to our Walking Dead podcast, he was one of the highlights of the Walking Dead season eight. Excellent. And, and still is. So uh, Yeah, yeah, still is the only highlight, no joking. But um, he's great. What an actor. And I'm glad that he finally got a bigger part. Yeah. I mean, I think Trevor from GTA 5 is still his, his biggest part. But Well, uh, fair. Whatevs. Yeah. Uh, Jesus, they trapped Og pretty easily. Now, they make a noise in the bushes. Uh, Og goes over. Hale's just on the floor flipping him the bird for some reason. I that don't know weird. why. So weird. Uh, <laughs> and then he just gets hit on the head with a rock. Yeah. I was like, what the hell is this? It's like... Bernard in action, mate. Bernard. Um, Bernard. But yeah, just so bizarre. So, like, stupid. Um, but anyway, uh, what then happens is, let's give him a little attitude adjustment. Let's make you the most virtuous, quickest gun in the West. Now, my next note is cue absolute fucking awesomeness. Um, because Og just turns into... I'm just going to call him Og. I know his name is Rebus, but... Uh, Stephen Og turns into 
just this unbelievable character, like a proper cheese ball. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and just guns everyone down. And the lines that come out of him are just, I mean, I was cracking up. Um, he makes this comment about um, touching women as soft as, as a petal. Yeah. Um, I was like, what is this? Like, who's who would have written these lines? Lee Sizemore. Yeah, well, there you go, yeah. <laughs> Lee um, Sizemore, yeah. But like an idiot. I, I absolutely love that. I, I absolutely cracked up. Um, Emma, what do you think of uh, of Og going absolutely mental in a sort of cheesy, heroic way? I love Oggy, and I really liked the... Oggy, Oggy, Oggy. Oi, oi, oi. I really liked to switch. It just it cracked me up because he had that... Well, if you watch The Walking Dead, you know what I'm talking about. That kind of main, maniacal, crazy, smiley, happy face where you just smiley, expect him face. to go mental. And mm. kill loads like, of people. Yeah, and yeah. just lose his shit. And then he does. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I I really enjoyed Bunyard uh, <laughs> and Abernathy in that in those scenes. Actually, yeah, I mean, and I'll, I mean, I'll talk about Abernathy uh, later on. But um, since you men- mention him, my next note is Abernathy is flipping out, um, but he can carry a tune. Singing a little song there, wasn't he? <laughs> that um, was weird, though, wasn't it? <laughs> that was weird. Yeah, um, but I enjoyed it. He mm. plays this breakdown superbly. I, I, you can't fault him. Like, no, yeah, the you can't fault him. Yeah. It's amazing. Just yeah. on um, on Oggie, I don't even. I, um, <laughs> I love it when obviously he's let he's let all the the guests go. He saved them, and they're all running off in directions because <laughs> he's so virtuous. He's chasing after one of them, going, "I'll escort you!" And she's just <laughs> screaming like, yeah, it's, really "It's the woman that he threatened to rape about four minutes ago." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> what is she thinking? She's like, this is nuts. Yeah. She had a bad day, mate. Yeah. Uh, Bernard and Abernathy get caught by the Confederados. <laughs> How many of Confederados are there? <laughs> I love these guys. Limitless. They're Confederados. So uh, talking about the Confederados, we jump to base Confederado. Um, and we suddenly kind of jump straight into Dolores, uh, Teddy and her army. Uh, and their story. Um, so they're on their way to base Confederado. Um, and this line, I mean, when he said it, I was like, oh, that's brilliant. I've got to write that down. So uh, we've got like this old, I'm assuming like their general. captain or general. general sorry, yeah. yeah, yeah, spot on. Uh, an old general. Um, how I want to look in like four years time, you know, proper washed up, but also, you know, an old Confederado. Um, and he turns around and he says to this uh, this little crap young guy that got schooled in the last episode, we'll, we'll call him like Lieutenant Gareth for the sake of um, consistency. I quite like this guy, to be honest. I he's quite cool. <laughs> um, he is quite good, yeah. Uh, and this old uh, this old general says, Major, why is this flaxen plum riding ahead of you? Um Flax and plum. It's a new insult. I, I <laughs> mean, the old times. Great. yeah. I mean, I will be using it. Um, I'm just waiting for the opportunity to use it uh, in real life. Uh, welcome to Fort Forlorn Hope. That sounds grim. Uh, that can't be getting many good reviews on TripAdvisor. Abernathy takes a beating. So, uh, I mean, I, I feel so sorry for him. He's standing there, skitting out. Um, jumping between random characters uh, and just some guys just beating on him. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. Um, 
so he's he's in a he's in a world of trouble. Um, Teddy then saves him, or I've written Teddy iron some douche out. Um, toss him in jail with the rest. Uh, Dolores not a fan of Bernard. So Abernathy's sitting there, and, and again he's he's kind of jumping between roles. Uh, Teddy, <laughs> uh, Teddy says to Dolores, "Who is he?" Um, I feel so sorry for Teddy. He is just so confused at this point. He doesn't know what's going on. Um, I'll tell you what I really loved about Teddy, and uh, and I'm a big fan of his, his character anyway. Um, when Dolores tells him, oh, that's that's my daddy, uh, which sounds a bit weird, a bit sexual, but we'll just say that's my dad for the sake of non-sexual. Um, he, uh, he takes his hat off uh, in respect. Like little, yeah, genuinely little ta- takes his, moment. yeah, little nuance. Um, I really like that. Um, but that's how that's how um, like how wedded to his his programming he still is. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah but also you know he he's uh, he's not quite there, but you can tell that he's getting there a little bit. And for him to still do that, I thought was uh, you know, very honourable, yeah. virtuous, if you will. Then you get a, a little touching scene with uh, Dolores and uh, and Daddy. <laughs> um, now, Lewis Hertham, who plays Peter and uh, Abernathy, by the way, um, is unbelievable. And, uh, and I mentioned this in uh, in a preview uh, podcast. Uh, and from what I understand, his role was supposed to be limited this season. But such was the reaction to his uh, performance in season one. Um, they wanted to keep him around. Well... This scene is, in my opinion, the best scene in the episode um, because there's there's a lot going on with it uh, and the acting, like you just mentioned, is phenomenal. He stole the show with that speech to Ford and Bernard in the first episode of season one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And since then, we've been saying, this guy's a decent actor. We've seen him in a lot of stuff before. And the way he plays jumping between his characters, conversing with Dolores, and then the way that Evelyn Rachel Wood plays off of that is very interesting, especially considering how we see her and how dark she's become as a character in the first three episodes of this season. Yeah. Um, she res- resorts here. <laughs> well, you're skitting out. No, then. Yeah, I'm skitting like Abernathy. <laughs> she resorts to her programming of being the farmer's daughter. Yeah. Which is fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Like, similar to how Maeve is chasing a daughter that, like, even Lee Sizemore stupidly says isn't even hers. Mm. Dolores here is doing exactly the same thing that Maeve is doing, clinging on to this programmed life that she actually resents and hates. Yeah. But yet she's going to it. And the way they play off each other um, was beautiful. The acting was superb. And for me, as I said, the, the Dolores monologuing, we've said it a bit, can be, it's getting a bit much, but... It is a bit heavy. Th- yeah. This was a moment where that all went. Wyatt, mm. who she seems to be more focused on at the moment, seemed yeah. to disappear. And Dolores, that we knew, she even changed her accent halfway through the speech. Yeah. yeah. She was full Dolores Farmyard accent. And then halfway through, when she realized what she was doing, buying into the programming, the thing that she resents and wants to destroy, mm. she switched out again. It was awesome. <clears throat> I absolutely loved it. Well, yeah, look, on, on that on that note, so the, the line that she says is, I'm going to get you help, daddy. Um, which is basically a callback to pretty much the same dialogue. I'm not. I'm, it might yeah. even be word for word the same dialogue from episode the very one. first episode. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, which is great. Um, and again, you mentioned uh, the acting of of uh, of Lewis. Um, 
thankfully, we're going to get to see the acting ability of, uh, of you and Emma. Um, because the next uh, line, as much as I'd love to play Dolores... Uh, and Please don't say Len's doing it. No, he's I not. He's not. No, he's going to be doing Bernard. He's going to be oh, doing his Rick Grimes Bernard. This is uh, an important bit of dialogue because obviously we've got Dolores and uh, and Bernard, uh, and we're itching to see them, uh, you know, engage in one another. Uh, and it goes a little something like this. It's been some time, Bernard, since we talked. Just you and I. What are you doing, Dolores? You don't know who you are, do you? The man you're based on. I wonder if there's any of him in you. I was given a character, a story, and a function to serve, like you. My whole life has been dictated by someone else. Someone who's been saying, you will. And now, now I feel like I've discovered my own voice. And it says, I may. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. Um, Emma Emma Phillips playing Dolores as herself. (laughs) (laughs) I can only do Mexican accents. uh, Well, let's because we'll end up getting thrown off that board again because of racism. I wasn't prepared, Um, but I'll practice again for for next week and I'll I'll get the accent. I liked it. I liked it. Yeah. Um, You've made the character your own, and by making the character your own, I mean you've just done yourself. (laughs) No, no, it was good. I liked it. I liked it. Very, very Very well delivered. Well done, team. Yeah. Yeah. Look, if that was the episode, I would have given it, you know, two blueberries out of five. Take that. That's followed by Dolores saying. Um, and it's an important line, actually. Uh, it's an honest request, not a demand, when referencing mm. if uh, Bernard will help out uh, her daddy. Um, Abernathy is encrypted. Uh, Hale and Delos saddle up for a war. This is so, cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, don't ignore the pun. Sorry, mate. Um, sir, they're coming up from under the ground. Uh that's a good line. Yeah. Um, kind of like alien as well in a way, but you know, or, or alien, should I say? Yeah. Tremors. Tremors. Yeah. 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 Kevin Bacon. Uh, confederados aren't torture a treat. Woo! Confederados. I love you guys. Um, obviously, following that, most of the confederados are then killed, um, annoyingly by both sides. Now, not a fan of that, uh, mm. and I've written down boo. Uh, with you know several O's um, and a few exclamation marks because uh, like that pissed me off. Yeah, and I, there's some interesting things here. Can we pause and go through the battle? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Can go we, for it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there's some interesting things here with the, with the actual battle itself. Um, we're in like the far future. I've got a cut. This is where I've got a couple of niggles. I love the way it looked. It looked cool. But we're in the far future. They would be using drones here. They would be using <laughs> they'd be using something other than fucking buggies. We said this last night, me and the girls I was watching with. Right. Why wouldn't they just blow the You'd have machine up? guns on drones. They wouldn't be able to take them down. There'd be loads of them. No, drones are use... extinct. No, just... uh, yeah, they're, back, they're, they're all like tigers. <laughs> but also, just drop a fucking bomb. Well, that's too much. Why is it? They're killing all the hosts. Just grenade no, them they want. No, they want to get fucking Abernathy. Okay, that's true in the back. They bomb everything but that in the front. Abernathy. What sort of strategy is this? I'm a general. I'll tell you what we do. We just bomb everything. Jesus, no. Blow it up. Just blow it all up. But <laughs> a, a couple of comments on the on the battle, though. It was it was cool to see like the Delos organization like bring in sort of modern warfare against the Confederado. Confederado, the um, raid. And I liked the fact that Dolores sacrificed the Confederados 
to eventually lure the Delos organization in. Obviously, they're super confident. They've got amazing technology yep. or like ridiculous machine guns. Yeah. Uh, and then use the nitrous to blow them all up. Mm. Yeah. Another comment I have that I don't agree with is the fact that we just saw last week her resurrect all the confederados that she killed. Mm. Why is she not doing the same thing here? I know she has this policy of saying that some of them don't deserve to come to the outside world or don't deserve to make it. Mm. But it just feels to me like you've got a whole army there. If she brought them all back at this point, they would all follow her because they'd be like, we've just died and they were back alive again. Yeah, I uh, I thought the exact same thing. Um, but look, you know, this, this show is not without its plot holes. Mm. Um, well, it's obviously her motivation. There is that she doesn't she doesn't want to be aligned with these sorts of hosts. Yeah, that's her mode. That's what they're trying to get but, at. I think. But my my problem with this is like the host the host is just the physical being. Like their personalities can be changed. There's nothing that says this person is this host is a better person than this. Like you could put Teddy's personality in any one of those bodies. Like why? How is she? How is she making these judgments about a program? Like that's not. Surely that's kind of anti her. This is my problem with Dolores this season. Is like I just don't get it. I don't get what her motivation is. I don't understand her end game. You're completely right about that with the personalities of the host. There's even a line earlier in the episode where Dolores says. Teddy says we shouldn't be aligning ourselves with these people and mm. Dolores says they're just children they've never known any better which is mm. a bang on from her completely right all Correct. they've ever done is been created and put into this storyline where they're confederados Confederado, and, and, and they kill people and do what they want so why is she saying that to Teddy one minute and then the next minute killing them all do you think maybe it's something to do with the fact that if you've only ever lived one storyline and one character, you it will take you longer to become sentient because you've had less experiences that you can draw on? Potentially. Example. Potentially, I guess. Uh, I mean, look, they reference that, again, in the very first episode, that Dolores is the oldest host in the park. So yeah, uh, I guess that definitely holds some water. Um, Gaz, you're about to say something. I just find it hard with Dolores to care about the, the bigger stuff the macro storyline and, and that was why it was really nice to see that kind of um on a on a more personal level her with her dad it was i mean it's a bit, a bit depressing i guess but it, it it's sort of like um seeing just any character with their their dad dying or suffering from alzheimer's or something like that's what it sort of seemed like and and that was the most i've cared about dolores um this season that was the most um empathy or sympathy I had for her as a character um, at any point. I, I'm finding it really hard to care about her, her wider mission because I don't get it. I don't understand. Yeah, <clears> yeah which, is, which is fair. And, and um, well, look, I don't think we're supposed to understand at this point, to be honest. Mm. So, so we're going to crack on. Um, and talking about cracking. So Bernard cracks uh, Abernathy. Yes. Um, so he obviously hacks into him. Mm. Uh, that sounds horrendous. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's you know computers and shit, ghost and shell sort of stuff, mate. And obviously, when he uh, when he does hack Abernathy, um, we see the same symbol that's shown in Grace's journal. Yeah. So um, should we save any more talk of this for Theory Corner? Uh, not necessarily the symbol, because uh, we're going to talk about Grace in Theory Corner. Um, I, I think the symbol illustrates a something that Bernard has never seen before. Maybe mm-hmm. a, a separate organization, a separate part of Delos that has been kept secret from him. Well, 
like, yeah. like a separate uh, like a separate section or function of Delos that him and Ford didn't know about potentially. Mm. Um, and there are certain people who do know this symbol, like like Grace, who we saw, and also Charlotte Hale. Um, I think she knows what the symbol is. I think certain higher, I think probably William knows what's going on here. And I think this links back to... Billy. Billy. I think this links back to uh, the discussions about DNA stealing, the discussions about replicating hosts to be exact clones of humans. I think this is that project. I think, this is what I believe, Mm. that this is what Bernard sees. He can't believe what he sees. He's like, what is this? Like, it's not just all the park information. He understands that. It seems to me like it's something he's never seen before yeah so for me i think they're trying to smuggle out all of the dna data the uh, the possibility of replicating humans yeah it makes sense doesn't it yeah um and that's got the potential for some very very good stories yes Uh, definitely i haven't thought too much about the symbol i i wondered though whether abernathy well i suppose he must have been they've chosen abernathy deliberately do you reckon um like as uh, in terms of who's which host is smuggling this out yeah, and um, we, we we mentioned the the crazy theory last week. Crazy learning these uh, crazy Reddit theories. That didn't go down too well uh, on... It hasn't gone down too well on Reddit, and it hasn't gone down too well in um, other social media platforms. But the idea that James Dalos, Daddy Dalos, as we call him <laughs> on this podcast, um, is actually inside Peter and Ab- Abernathy somewhere. <laughs> it, ooh, not in that way, John. But that, that his consciousness <laughs> is somewhere in there. Yeah. Uh, I don't, and that I is don't why love he that was either. a specialist case to sort of take out. See, I thought, I thought maybe it's it's a way of trying to, like you said earlier, um, how Dolores reverts back to Farm Girl. <clears throat> I think you actually said resorts, but um, she reverts back to Farm Girl, and I thought maybe have they have they deliberately chosen Abernathy to have this code so that they can they can sort of short circuit. Dolores's progress a little bit. Um, just a thought. Come no, look, and it's, uh, and it's a good one. Um, Abernathy stolen. Dolores is an absolute machine. Terminator. Literally. Terminator, mate. It was, it was out of Terminator. Taking shots to the arm slash stomach without flinching. Uh, that was cool, wasn't it? She's a T-800. There you go. Uh, Bernard is knocked out by Clementine for some reason. That pissed me off. She's looking creepy this season, man. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. She's, oh my God. she's moving Terrifying. like robot zombie. Rombie. Rombie. Take this dog out back. Put him down with a rest. Pretty brutal. Uh, and then uh, little little Lieutenant Gareth says, uh, We ain't so different. You and I are both trigger men to tyrants. Um, and then Teddy lets him go. Uh, and, and I've said uh, his virtue... Uh, I guess a call back to to the name of the episode, but uh, his virtue is putting him on a collision course with Dolores. Mm. Um, so I guess uh, quite a lot to to cover there. Um, Emma, do you want to kind of summarise that story? I mean, we we have you know, we've spoken a lot about it. Is there anything else that you want to uh, want to cover from that? Um, I think the the most interesting part there for me is the Teddy and Dolores thing. Uh, you know, I mentioned it earlier about the the comparison between Teddy and Hector. Obviously, Teddy is clearly not got quite as many balls as Hector, poor fucker. Um, Why are but, you saying that? Because he's a bit weak, isn't he? Well, I don't know. I think he's. Um, I think he's, he's been dialed up a notch. Yeah. However, um, 
I quite like the fact that um, Dolores appears to be using this as a test because she was watching him, um, I guess, either to see if, if he's worthy of the great beyond um, or to see how far he's uh, he's come in his sentience. Well, look, I mean, I'm, I'm not one for being able to read uh, the signals of women. Uh, I mean, as no. evidenced in, uh, <laughs> in the first story. Um, so that look that she gives Teddy, you know, is, is she happy with Teddy or... I'll be honest, I'm not sure either, but um, I think that you could look at it two ways. Either Teddy is sticking to his programming and, you know, trying to be nice, or he's rebelling against it because he's rebelling against Dolores by okay. doing the thing that he thinks is right. Yeah. I think it's difficult to know. Well, look, I mean, it looks like a look of disappointment, mm. but is, is the disappointment in him or is disappointment in the fact that he can't break free of this perceived and that's, kind of and that's thing the interesting that he's in. that's the interesting discussion there because <clears throat> when I fir- first watched I thought it was a disappointment in him not following her orders but yep. what you've just mentioned there probably makes a bit more sense the fact that Teddy inherently is a good person yep. who is one of the good guys in Westworld mm. and she's trying to maybe test his programming mm. uh, and maybe you know he's not quite there yet I mean obviously Setting up this clash between them is also an interesting um, thought process because obviously we see Teddy dead in the water in episode one. Mm. Um, he's the only significant character we see in the water that is dead. We don't see Dolores dead or, or anyone else. There's loads of other bodies, obviously. So it would be interesting to think maybe this leads on a collision course where Dolores kills Teddy. Mm. Um, so that's an interesting point. Or cast him asunder like she has the Confederados. Cast him asunder. I like that. Yeah. So it, there's a lot of interesting things going on here. Probably one of the more interesting things in Dolores' storyline this episode. I have to say, I I mean, Teddy's is growing into my, my favourite character. Yep. I like him. I like yeah, him I like him too. Um, James Marsden, brilliant actor, doing a very good job. Yep, obviously, you know, Oggy running around now as this uh, this brilliant man that saves everyone. He's obviously the best. He's going to be comic relief for the rest of the season. Oh, it's going to be so he's, good. He's going to be great. He is gonna, he's just going to turn up, like, just in time a couple of times, isn't he? <laughs> like, when all, all hope right. is lost. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't love how... I didn't love the setup of the, the test for Teddy because Dolores is, is like, right, yeah, take these take these out back and kill them like dogs or whatever she says. And then, and then she's like, I, yeah, so I'm, I'm just going to go over here and do some other stuff. <laughs> and then she like just sneaks around the wall and peers around. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 Just doing a bit of tidy up here and just, uh, not watching what you are doing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, yeah. I'm not watching. All right, mate. Well, um, that, that brings the, the episode discussion to a close and i guess look we could be sad or we could be very happy because now we're going on to lenny's crazy theories All right then, guys, welcome to our third edition of, uh, or actually fourth now edition of Crazy uh, Theory Corner. We're just going to call it Theory Corner. I'm going to bring you a couple of more down-to-earth theories this week, uh, as well as one that we've actually referenced in an earlier episode. So back Dude, in... Dude, this is Crazy Theories. What's Sorry, going mate. On? Well, this is the, the, cra- the first one's the crazy one. So right. back in uh, after the first episode, we had a lot of theories about Bernard. Now, we had a theory that Bernard was actually Teddy. 
uh, we had a theory that Bernard was actually housing a lot of the consciousnesses of the hosts. Um, but one of the ones that we didn't originally like potentially that much, but has actually grown a bit of traction now, is the one that Bernard is actually being forced to be on a loop constantly by the Delos organization. Um, there is more evidence that this is actually a fact. A lot of them are continuity errors, um, which is very rare for a show that is this meticulously crafted. Um, they don't make mistakes and they don't make multiple mistakes. Um, so the theory is, just to recap it, is the fact that the Bernard that work wakes up on the beach uh, in the current present timeline and gets meet Strand and in this episode meet Charlotte Hale and the rest of the cleanup crew that he is actually being forced to relive this loop of waking up on the beach interacting with all of these people um, so that eventually he tells them what the fuck happened um, because they can't figure it out and he's the only one they can get to do it they know at this point that he's a host and they just keep rebooting him into the same programming over and over again yeah the evidence we cited in the first episode was the fact that he finishes some of Strand's sentences some of the actions and acting like Stubbs seemed very fake you saw a card of her shuttling uh, one of the guards shuttling through hosts potentially and Bernard's picture was on one of them there's more evidence to back this up so from a trailer that was released, um, we can see that the Bernard that sees the Bengal tiger on the beach, there is another Bernard that sees the Bengal tiger on the beach. He's wearing a different outfit. That would imply that he's run that same loop twice. The next thing to note is that the, the, the bodies that were left after the aftermath of um, Dolores killing everyone and Ford at the party, um, when the man in black wakes up, there are different bodies in different positions to when Bernard is walked through that same scene by Strand and the first Delos crew, crew to walk in there. Some of the bodies are different. Who's noticing that? Well, this is, this is it, mate. This is how people found out that William was actually the man in black by the first, second episode of, of oh, season one. I know, but that is mental. So some of the continuity errors are glaring. Like, that is just weird that they've done that because they would have shot that scene at the same time. It wouldn't make any sense to go away and shoot another scene. Did anyone else think that the way that Charlotte Hale greeted Bernard in this episode was bizarre? She was like, Bernard, didn't think you'd make it. It was all quite <laughs> it was all quite fake and a bit weird. And there's a lot of people saying that she's, you know, buying into this loop theory to try and jog Bernard's memory. Bernard also didn't say anything in this present timeline. He mm. was very quiet and it was very weird. So I would say it's possibly the most popular theory at the moment in terms of what is actually happening here. Mm. And I wouldn't be surprised if this is the correct one. However, the continuity errors could just be continuity errors. But for a show that is made this meticulously, uh, that is an interesting thing. Yeah. Um, so guys, now we've run through some more evidence for this theory. You didn't like it the first time round. No, what do you I think now? Uh, I mean, I still don't like it. Um, I think it's the more interesting one. It's an interesting one, but I, I guess... Oh, I mean, if I was working for Delos, that fucking wind me up doing that every day. Yeah, agreed. I'd be like, I'm not doing this anymore. Mm. They might not have to do it every Stop day. Stop this. You can do it several times a day. Even still. I mean, mm. that, in a way, is more annoying. Mm. You know, you work nine to five, that's it, you go home. Imagine working nine to five, nine to five, nine to five, then going home. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the uh, the continuity errors without seeing them 
I mean, you call them glaring. I didn't notice them, but you know, I'm not watching this a hundred times. You but... don't see. Obviously, you're not gonna. They're not continuity <laughs> areas where you see like, oh, the man in black's over there, and then he's suddenly teleported over to the other side of frame. Yeah, why is he waking up on the roof? They're not doing that. It's literally the scenes are like forty minutes apart, so you're never gonna notice them. Mm. Do you see what I mean? They're just yeah. dead bodies on a street. Yeah. Anyway, they probably could be continuity areas. It's just interesting when this show is so well made that, that mm. would happen. There is people. There are people there who are specifically on continuity duty. Their job is to take pictures of every single frame and make sure nothing moves. Mm. Very interesting. Comps, I think they're called. Oh, yeah, comps. Um, um, all right. Well, fair enough. Fair well, enough. Look, what about you, Emma? What, what do you think? I, I still don't like it as a as a legit theory. However, it is, it's growing legs. <laughs> and um, it's interesting. And I, I have also come across some things like that that link to some other stuff. But I think that... Um, I think I do think it's interesting. I still don't think it's real. The Grace Theory. Um, now, from IMDb, uh, and as John has referenced earlier in this episode, as, and as we have referenced, um, this new character is called Grace mm. on IMDb. Um, but what if she was, in fact, the man in black's daughter, Emily? Fucking hell. Now, there are several key indicators that this might be the case. Um, Obviously, they're not going to go on IMDb and call her Emily because that will just give the game away and they're trying to, you know, divert people's attention away from this potentially. They, You know, (laughs) HBO has definitely been known to do that before, like with season five of Game of Thrones and all that stuff. Here's the evidence. Um, Her age, we've seen the young Emily in a flashback in a previous episode. It kind of matches up where the sort of age she looks in this. So that's the first point. Mm. She has an extensive knowledge of the park, it seems, similar to sort of interests that the man in black has in the park. Mm-hmm. Um, she's sceptical of the hosts and to the point where she refuses to sleep with the hosts, as far as we can gather. She won't, She wants to te- check that he's human, all of that jazz. Now, why else? Why would she do that? I mean, maybe a principal thing, but perhaps it's because she knows about the DNA stealing program that's going on and doesn't want her DNA being copyrighted in any way, shape or form. Mm. Fact number one. Yep. She also, as we saw in her notebook, had the same symbol that, that the encrypted data in Abernathy had. And we referenced this earlier. That's quite important. Yep. Why would she have that logo? Mm. If we believe it to be the secret logo for the separate section of Delos that Ford and Bernard didn't know about how else would she have that but it would be fascinating if um, if it was her mm. because that would set up a very interesting meeting now with your favourite character John Ed Harris and the Men in Black Man in Black um, <laughs> Men. Men in Black <laughs> Will Smith Black. and Tommy Lee Jones oh um, my god <laughs> that's a different world Will's that's, Bill Smith that's one of the other worlds um, but no it'd be very interesting to see this happen guys what do you think if Grace is actually someone more important I'm going for it Gaz first I would find it very hard to argue against any of that I reckon that's a, a great theory I love it um, I initially thought that she would that she was somebody's daughter I didn't really sort of think it through um, but my first thought was she's she's got to be somebody of import and um, I think being being um, William's daughter makes a lot of sense. I reckon that's um, that's a great shout. Uh, it also, it perfectly explains why she wouldn't want to have sex with a robot. Um, <laughs> I like that a lot, and I'm I'm on board fully, on board. Great, everyone else. Love it. <clears throat> I also like this theory. I do genuinely. Um, it uh, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, 
And I guess earlier when you said, uh, oh, I'm up for some tepid, you know, bog average theories, uh, that doesn't mean they're not good ones. And um, I think that, uh, yeah, uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. Can't argue against it. But I mean, I suppose also the other hesitance against sleeping with robots could be that she knows about <laughs> Billy's experience with Dolores and what that then did to him as a person. Yeah, so the emotional scarring it can cause and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And the way it broke apart her family potentially and made Precisely. her mother maybe kill herself and all that sort of stuff that was referenced in the first season. So yep. there's a lot of interesting points there. I would love to see a scene with Ed Harris and her later on. Yeah, bloody love it. And I want to see her uh, more of her as a character because I think she's awesome. Um, and the fact that she winds up on the beach uh, with Ghost Nation leads us on to the Ghost Nation theory. Now, this has been, this is pretty popular at the moment. Everyone's sort of pretty much saying this. So let's just say it for everyone. Um, Ghost Nation potentially are kind of like a failsafe if everything goes wrong. Like they have been programmed to protect humans, protect if in the event of a massacre of what's happened at the moment. Yeah. Um, this, uh, I think this theory originally came from someone on Reddit called Dupreme. Um, <laughs> Dupreme. Dupreme. Um, we know that uh, Stubbs originally found Elsie's distress beacon at the end of season one. Mm. Elsie, someone who has been missing for a very long time, and we saw her in a flashback of Bernard's get strangled by Bernard, but mm. never actually saw her die. So kind of like to think she's still alive. The theory goes like this. It goes that Elsie has actually reprogrammed Ghost Nation to protect humans or employees, um, which is why she sent Stubbs out there and why Stubbs was never hurt by Ghost Nation. We know he's fine now in present day timeline and why he was just rugby tackled by them or whatever. Mm, yeah. And then he's now reappeared absolutely fine. <clears throat> we also know that the Ghost Nation were searching out Lee Sizemore. They are they requested just Lee Sizemore. So that's an interesting mm. interesting point there as well. And yeah. at the end of the episode, they come into contact with Grace. And that's why I think she's actually going to be fine because... The Ghost Nation is this failsafe that has been put in place to protect these people. Mm. Um, I like that one too. That's yeah. It also explains how Maeve wasn't able to control them because they're not on the same network. May I have one niggle with this one? Because I like it. Niggle away. Majority like it. I'm just not sure about the Elsie bit. I kind of feel like we should get over the fact that she's dead. It's maybe somebody I else. I don't think, yeah. There's, there's I mean, no way she's dead. There the is... rest of it, though, I love I love the idea that the most terrifying people in this park are Ghost Nation, and yet they're there to protect people yeah. like us. Well, yeah. I, I'll, only, I'll only like it if in the next episode she looks up and this Ghost Nation fella just turns around and goes... It's okay. You're safe. <laughs> like that would uh, crack me up. That would be hilarious. Yeah. And then okay. Rebus turns up and it's just a massive fun time <laughs> for everyone. Yeah. Look, another solid theory. And again, um, not one. That, I mean, when you initially said it, I got a little bit annoyed. Because uh, I was like, oh, come on. That's, I mean, it's so convenient, isn't it? But actually, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy it. Yeah. And look, you know. There's, the human characters need some sort of support at the moment because they're getting absolutely decimated. Mm. So it was a bit pointless if it just Delos turn up, get absolutely slaughtered. Delos turn up, get absolutely slaughtered. They need a bit of a helping hand. You know, Dolores also killed on camera one of these Ghost Nation people 
in the very first episode. Yeah. Uh, which would also lead to believe uh, that she doesn't view these hosts as worthy because they're still under-programming. Yeah. So, hey, it's got legs, I think, and it's one of my favourite theories at the moment. Um, but I think all three that we've mentioned today are very interesting mm. and are very possible at this stage. Yeah. Two out of three this week for me, Len. Well done. There you go. First week, <laughs> bullshit. This one, great. <laughs> Um, okay, so uh, Gaz, um, I understand that you obviously want to add a feature to this. Uh, I think Len is fuming at this point, but it's only a short one, isn't it? Len, uh, uh, you know, I know obviously you've got to edit all this, but Gaz, uh, you now want to discuss worst line of the episode. Um, so Gaz, why don't, you, uh, why don't you give us the line and deliver it in, uh, in that character's voice? So when Armistice first arrives and she goes... Love to say hello. We've got to run. Isn't it easier just to say hello? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Ridiculous okay. Line. I mean, that was big build-up for nothing, to be honest. Yeah. And, and the delivery was, was shambolic. Um, so that was Gaz's worst line of the week. Okay. So uh, so that's it uh, for another pod. Um, if you have enjoyed listening, do review, share, and subscribe uh, to the hosts of Westworld. We are on iTunes, Spotify, and all major podcasting apps. Uh, it's also worth noting our parent podcast, Fan Critical. Also on the major platforms, we discuss other TV shows like The Walking Dead, Impression Emma. Oh. What the fuck is that? I don't know, Bear. All right, I mean, it's The Walking Dead, for fuck's sake. Jesus, Len, you know, give us a zombie. <laughs> Again, <laughs> sexual zombies. Um, Game of Thrones, Gaz, give us a Jon Snow. Hey, all right, lads, let's go and have a party. <laughs> How are you going to cut out there? Uh, and uh, and Stranger Things, there will be no impressions because Lucy is not here. Uh, we also cover major event movies like Avengers Infinity War. Yay. Go check that out. We just released that last week. If you have seen the biggest cinema event probably in history at this point. Um, go listen to the review because it's good fun and uh, we literally do a full spoiler cast on it. Yeah, huge movie, almost as big as uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Uh, so uh, <laughs> nice little reference there to a classic movie. Uh, we'll also be, uh, in the next couple of weeks, covering Solo um, and also Deadpool 2 for some reason. Because it's hilarious. Because um, it's bloody hilarious, all right? So don't doubt it. Gaz, see you later, mate. See you, see you later, everybody. Thanks. Yeah, nice little uh, new thing you added this week. Uh, Emma, thanks very much. Thank you. And uh, and Crazy Lynn, thanks, buddy. Cheers, mate. We'll be back next week with some more, more tinfoil theories. I look forward to it. Uh, and obviously, thanks from me, John. I never introduced myself, um, mainly because of the hate that this uh, gets. But uh, it doesn't. It gets lots of love, so don't. Uh, and that's it. So thanks very much, guys. See you later. Bye. Bye. These violent delights have violent ends. <laughs> I can't. <laughs>